Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I am your host, Tyler. And I am your very tired co-host, Teal. If you are new to the show, RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, Scream into the void. Scream into the void. About various aspects of D&D 5th edition. I wasn't, you were really not feeling it there, huh? Dude, I'm tired. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast. You know where it is now. Mm-hmm. It's on the Twitter. The twits. The tweeter. Um, I wanted to have a, a statement at the beginning. Yeah. To follow up my apology with how bad we are at math relating to the cost mm, of diamonds. Mm, yes, yes. You know uh, they for- caught us on that one. I forgot to multiply it by 50. Yep. So 17,000 times 50, whatever that is. That's... How much mm-hmm. the Hope, the Hope diamond, diamond is worth, yeah. which was what eight hundred and five thousand. It was a, it was a sizable chunk of. I'm doing money. it so now. What, so seventeen thousand fifty seventeen times fifty, eight hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. So eight hundred fifty thousand gold is the Hope Diamond, which is how many resurrections? Divide that by twenty five. Thirty four true resurrections in that diamond right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you had to break it into pieces, mm-hmm, obviously, mm-hmm. but. That's a whole. Ooh, that's a whole that, that's a risky proposition. Mm-hmm. Breaking it into proper sizes. Mm-hmm. So call that thirty. It's called thirty. Call it so you're 30. gonna fuck it up. There's yeah. gonna be in, in the business I work in. We call it scrap loss. Essentially, whenever you're breaking something or cutting something to a different size, you're gonna lose a little bit. Yes, that's a uh, because you know, diamonds are incredibly hard, yeah. but they're brittle. So smashing them totally doable. So if you smash it into into thirty, cutting it without a laser difficult. Yeah, but that's why you smash. Hulk smash diamonds. Yeah, but if you're actually trying to like get a nice one, oh, even cutting with a laser, I don't know. I don't actually know the the mechanics of that, given the refraction of the diamond. What I will say is that it's probably they've probably like perfected it over the years, yeah. and it's probably a lot easier than it used to be. Well, as far I as like I know, cutting them. no, you you would literally score and break diamonds oh, to get the precise and then, edges, and then polish it. Yeah, then you'd touch it, rub it, smooth it. But they were that those those jagged God, not jagged edges. It would be a break. Yeah, that's why that that was part of the value of diamonds was the labor involved in getting the cut, you know, the emerald cut, or the minor. Just cut imagine or how much you lost there. Well, that's the, why you'd have all those fucking scrap diamonds. That's where industry diamond use comes from. The the diamond powder on that shit left over. You put that on a on a wheel and you cut other things with it. A diamond wheel. You put it in a cream. Welcome to our engineering podcast. A cream. <laughs> With a million fucking diamonds. A cream to rub on your face? <laughs> face cream? You, you score away the skin on your face? That's, that's a Arrested Development joke. I'm sure somebody out there got oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't watch Arrested it's Development. Okay. It's okay. I have faith that you or, figured out. Or um, Always Sunny. Dude, it's so good. You gotta watch or The stuff. Office. That one, I don't blame you. That one, it took me a while to actually enjoy The Office. Honestly, I do now, but it I'll took me a, a while. Like, I'll see a clip. Um, I'll see a clip. Like mm-hmm. I'll encounter the clip mm-hmm. of the first aid where they're doing the... CPR and the dummy. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Yeah. Just the, you know, cuts the thing's face off and puts it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, I just don't particularly watch it on my own. So, all right. Thank you all for um, bearing with us. Bearing with our poor math skills. We're just two guys and tangential conversations. I was trying to figure out how many diamonds uh, you need to resurrect somebody. How many? How many? How much? Of a regular diamond in yeah, real life. In real life terms. Yeah. Trying to explain, like you know, how big Which, a diamond's got. You know, be. to be fair. That's the only analog we have is real life value versus D and D value. I got nothing else to go off. Of. Yeah, this, we only have real life. I mean, we're making it up as we go. D and D. That is D as well. Yes. Speaking of, okay, we'll talk about it later. But what's our first topic for today? Didn't you want to talk about something? I have a particular thing that I wanted to discuss. Okay, go ahead. It might um, actually tie in with something that I have on here. Because it's something that has come up a lot in our recent mm-hmm. sessions, mm-hmm. and it is the concept of travel. 
Travel. Travel in D&D, mm-hmm. which is not so simple. It is, and it's not at the same time. It can be. Yeah. but You, you can just say, you're there. You're there. Exactly. That's that's the whole fast travel notion, mm-hmm. right? There's there's all sorts of things in the books dedicated to travel. Um, the, not the least of which is the pace of travel, the consequences of travel, mm-hmm. the shit that happens to you. Um, and I had think, been thinking about it a lot because our, not our most recent session, whew, but the one before that, required you wind walk yep. for eight hours. Yep. That still counts as travel. So any travel beyond that pushes you into forced march territory. Which, which I always thought it was 16 hours, not eight hours. But you, you showed me the thing. Yeah, every hour beyond eight hours of travel, you have to make a constitution check. Yeah. Which gets harder with each hour. Which I feel like really limits the amount of time, the, like the amount of distance you can cover. Well, the hard, the checks aren't very hard to start. It's like 11 or something, then Still? 12, then 13, Still. then 14. But the moment you grab, the moment you get a uh, level of exhaustion, suddenly it's way harder. Yeah, exponentially. So there's this logistic part to it where I'm like, well, you wind walk, so your your body's probably not travel or not or travel weary, but your head is probably like, oh my God, you know, like, like a road trip. Like when you're in the car for six hours before you stop, you're like, Jesus, we need to get out of this car. Yeah. We need to, yeah. we need to get out. We need to pee. We need to walk around. But you wind walk for eight hours and you're just, just think of listen, all guys, the- I need my body back. Think of all the images your mind processes in six hours when you're traveling 60 miles an hour. That's a lot. Yeah. It's the, you the, take the a lot visual in. land. And you're traveling that fast in the wind, in wind walk. walk. Yeah. So you're the, and you guys were traveling over an ocean. So yeah. honestly, it was the opposite. It was nothing. Mind blanking, maddening. Mind empty for, for miles and miles. You, you should have made us make survival checks to make sure we didn't get lost. But you know, you had a guide, though. Yeah. The, the string, Still. basically. You had, a, you had a true north, so to speak. Yeah. But the, the notion of the force march, I like because it, it does force players to interact with their environments more regularly, mm-hmm. especially when you have the wind walking. Yeah, I can just fly there. Yeah, I can just fly mm-hmm. without stop. Quickly. Yeah, I don't. I can bypass all of your content, including if I had an aerial monster. There, what disadvantage attacking you? No, you have resistance to damage. Oh, resistance to damage. That's right. And it was half of something. Yeah. Um. So even an aerial monster, you're kind of like, well. I'm probably Bye. fast. I'm probably faster than it. Yeah, even most if it things hit me. cannot travel 600 feet in a round. Your only bad circumstance would be if the caster got hit and had to, you know, to got real bad and had to fail the concentration, and you all fell out of the it's sky. Not a concentration spell. It's not. No. I don't, oh my I don't god. Think so. I, I'll look it up, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. Honestly, I <laughs> wind walk you and up to 10 willing creatures. Nope, it's not. Yeah. Oh, come up for me. Material component is fire and holy water. Holy water! Why? That's weird. That's it's supposed weird. to be something only druids can cast, right? As far as I know, it's available for a druid. Yeah. Which means that what a um, so that's their holy water, I guess. Couldn't can, so a, can think, a bard get? What well, no, I think it makes spells? sense. Fire and holy water. It's making like steam. a yeah steam. Making holy steam. Yeah. Can a druid? Can a bard get druid spells? Bard can get any spell. Is it? Is that right? Yes. Not just arcane spells. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that a bard, uh, with his uh, secrets. Secrets, secrets can get any spell. Let me just double check that. Uh, yeah, it's what's arcane or magic secret or whatever it's called. Yeah, magical secrets. Secret, secret. I've got a secret. Uh, any any class. Yeah. Wow. This is level six. So that's uh, that's level ten, fourteen, and eighteen. Oh, and cast. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So level level fourteen or no, level eighteen. Level 14? For what, level 6? Yeah. No, level 6 is... uh, For a bard. 
Oh, so it's different you, for people. So no, I mean level ten. It's but it, it's same level. So level nine, you'd have fifth level. So eleven, you could. Get. It's, the level you the level you acquire spells is different uh, for everybody. Uh, not not if it's an act or casting class, it'll be the same for you. No, much. it's different. It's, it, there there are differences. So just look at it. I'm looking. Yeah, it's right there. Six. Eleven. Okay. Yeah. So so level fourteen, you could pick up Windwalk as a bard. Yeah. So that's the easiest way to travel. Oh no, sorry, that's not the easiest way to travel. What's the easiest way to travel? Teleport. 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 Right. Bam. Done. Bam. Done. So if you are at a high level campaign, you are mostly bypassing travel sequences. Very much so. Putting it in air quotes. Nobody else can see. Yes. Just this is where we need to go. Totally. We are transport via plants. We are teleporting. We are windwalking. We're getting on our airship. We're just pretty much the only time. Our carpet of flying. And I, and I think that the time that this doesn't happen um, necessarily is on like different planes of existence. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the reason that you don't go to different planes of existence until higher levels. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. And you don't know where you're going. Yeah. But once you know where you're going, you guys have covered a big chunk of the countryside in our campaign. Mm-hmm. You just, we're going there. Yeah. We've been to the city before. We're just going to bamf right back to it mm-hmm. without issue. And I even and you guys haven't even used the network of teleportation circles, which nope. exist in the, in the world. Not once. The other, in a previous campaign, you used them with more regularity. Um, so you are bypassing travel sequence. What? I don't remember actually teleporting much in the other campaign. Not the goblins. No. The other ones. In the three of us? Yeah, you did. Who can teleport? You can use the circles without teleportation oh. if oh. you have the, the sequence. Don't you need to be able to cast teleportation in, to create them? But in in the in the world, you guys can use them oh, if you okay. have like the sequence and the password. Oh, that's like a home, home rule thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the the whole travel sequence thing that means it doesn't even have value to a high level player. Mm-hmm. So what's what do you think? Do you have an opinion? What's the value of a travel sequence to a lower level campaign? Well, um, I think that it provides the opportunity for random encounters, which is essentially XP grinding. Which is how you get to higher levels. Yeah, think of any old video game, Dragon Age. Yeah, uh, like I remember Gate. in the first. Uh, no, I think in any of them, in in any of the Elder Tales games, you have to Elder have Scrolls. gone. Yeah, Elder. I've I've been watching a show. It's Elder Tales. I'm sorry. Uh, I've been watching Log Horizon, the anime, and the game they play in that is the Elder Tales. Uh, okay. So I, mm-hmm. my bad. Elder Scrolls. Uh, you have to go to a city before you can fast travel to. That makes sense. Yeah. But once you're there. You can just go bounce yeah. to it anytime. But even in Dragon Age, like you, you would see the map. Like I want to travel from here to here, and you'd see the little trail going along, cringing, and then a pink, a little X would pop up, and you have to fight something. Yes. You know, in the alleyway or in the yeah. woods or wherever yeah. it was. Um, so that's all it was. It was just a. It was really just an inconvenience mm-hmm. for the main story. Like every once in a while, it was some an of them, actual some like, of them are relevant. side plot. Yep, some of them are relevant to the um, story very infrequently. But yeah, you know, traveling is XP grinding, and it's it's also a chance for you to. Get to know each other because you're at low mm-hmm. levels. You don't really have a good feel for each other. You know, might be a good time to talk. So you're saying hash it out in terms of XP grinding. If I'm doing a milestone campaign, I just lose out on that. If you're doing a milestone campaign, what's the point of having side combat essentially? If everything's just based on milestones, just work toward the milestones. Right. What I don't I don't have an answer. I don't know what the point yeah. would be. The point I, would be I, just I, the RP part of it. Yeah. So. so if I'm doing a milestone campaign, it's, it's essentially campaign, letting people practice their skills. Yeah, every if I'm doing a milestone campaign, every random encounter should it's, be significant. Yes, it should not be random it at all. It shouldn't be random. I should be plotting that out. Yeah. Unless I'm literally vamping for time, like, yeah. hey, you got it. Right. I don't want you guys to get to the spot yet. Yeah, here's, <laughs> here's a dragon. Hurt her. Um, 
So the lower level encounters, and I think benefit from the travel and the thing you talked about in getting to know each other. We just started implementing a rule. Um, travel sequences require, what did I say, two minutes of role playing? Yes. To- yep. Minimum? Two to three minutes. Yeah. And each time it's gone longer than that. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Because you guys will get into a conversation. You'll start, you'll get into a rhythm and start debating. I something. honestly, like, if, if, I, I feel like we, the only reason that we don't RP more is because we don't want anyone, including you, to get bored. Like, if two people are having a great RP exchange, you don't want that to go on for too long because you don't want to, you know, offend anyone. I don't that might not be the situation. Yeah. Obviously, everyone feels differently. But I think that's what might hold people back from RPing regularly. I would not disagree. I would just say as a DM, anytime RP is happening, that's... Let it go. That's what I want. I I will just step back, cover my face with my hand, and let it roll. Mm-hmm. And start laughing at you guys and whatever happens. Because yeah. it'll be like a little bickering or complimenting or storytelling or whatever mm-hmm. it is. If somebody else is getting bored in that, you know, if it's one person out of a group of five, I don't have a problem with that. But if it's three people who are like watching two people, mm-hmm. maybe we could, you know, keep it to two minutes and move on from there. That's the major benefit of traveling. So here's one of the topics that I had coming up that I feel like would, we could just insert here. Uh, vehicles. Yeah, I thought about that. In 5e. Does anyone use them? You're, we just did a one-shot recently where there was an airship, but it was just a plot device. You yeah. didn't use it for anything. Yeah. We threw someone off of it. That was fun. But other than that, I mean, it was just a means to get to Well, the Aarakocra named Okr saved them, and then you killed them and threw them off of it we'll again. See. <laughs> we might see them later. But but even like, um, I know that uh, D&D right now is trying to make a big push for sailing adventures. Mm-hmm. They got a pirate-themed adventure coming out. Um, which I think is great for low-level campaigns. I think it's awesome because it gives you the chance to travel big distances yeah. and encounter whole new worlds. But there's also Kraken. But there's also, yeah, there's also some dangers and some grinding that could happen, you know, maybe some Sahagwin or something, try to board your ship or something in the middle of the ocean. I just think they come with too many problems. I think it's if I have tedious. A, it's tedious. That's exactly what it is. If I have a horse, that's one thing. If well, I, have I didn't a, even get to mounts. If, mounts I have a, another if I have a cart with my horse... Suddenly, um, what happens if my horse dies? Where do I leave the car when I go into a dungeon? You know, <laughs> I, I go into a village. Somebody steals my car. It just comes with, like, yeah, sure, I can carry stuff. Great, cool, love it. But it comes with problems. Yes. The the intelligent mounts, like a, like a fine steed kind of mount, mm-hmm. where it's actually a celestial that can talk to you. Different story entirely because you can tell it, hey man, let me know when some shit's happening because yeah. you can communicate. Sentry with mode. Right, it's sentry mode. Beep. Um, but in terms of the vehicles, always tedious. However. Does it have a benefit for the travel sequence? I think that it depends. Um, and I th- also think it depends on where you're going. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely think that uh, we did in the Goblinoid part of our campaign, the brief uh, expedition in the ocean. We were sailing. Yes. We had jobs. And, and a ship battle. And a ship battle. And that was exciting and served its purpose. But It was short. It was short, exactly. Doing it for extended periods of time would be like... Uh, Especially when, you know, if I'm doing it right and you're sailing a boat and I'm asking you for skill checks, like, this feels tedious. Yes. You, you know, oh, there's a wind. Oh, you got you off to, course. Oh. Like, oh, no, the rudder broke. Just like when like, in, in our one friend who was, did his first attempt at DMing and did a pre-made and we mm-hmm. were just sailing up the river mm-hmm. and we had to make a check. We got fucking lost. Oh, we got lost up the river. God, kill me. <laughs> but, I mean, but no, we were just staying on the, the river. Dungeon. Nope, you went up a, you went no, up a tributary. No, I didn't want to do that. Uh, well, you did. To be fair, 
I have been kayaking and gotten lost on a river before. That's sad. Uh, my wife and I, we um, were, we were doing, um, what's it called, where you drink beer and canoe? Cabrewing. Cabrewing, thank you. I knew it was a combination. It was a portmanteau. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were cabrewing. You start at one place, you went down river, you're supposed to stop at another. We somehow skipped the fuck out of the back half and canoed like 15 miles all the way back to our camp. Mm-hmm. We were like, we're fucking lost. We were straight up like, we had no idea. We actually at one point, you know, just ran into the sands where we saw another camp of like people. And we got like, hey, like, where are we? Where's this camp? Like, oh, you're you're almost there. You know, we'd we'd put four hours on the river. It was supposed to be a half an it must hour. Sunburn as hell. It was fortunately like surrounded by a lot of trees, so not super sunburned, but just like fucking. So you had to. Out. So essentially, the plan was to stop, drink, get back on the kayaks, and keep going. No, it was. It was just. It was that simple. It was like a short drinking on the canoes and then getting back and going back to camp. It was going to be short. Oh, we got. You went the entire way. We went the entire way. Um, and people, we got back. People were like, "Where the fuck were you?" We went straight into our tent and napped because we were like, "Nope." We're, we're too freaked out right now. So that's a... Uh, that was a travel sequence. Super uh, in the unknown state in which we currently reside mm-hmm. that is nowadays illegal. That's boring. Yeah. So I, we used to do it down south when yeah. I was living down south. We would do it on the blank <clears throat> river all the time. Yeah. And then it became illegal. That's stupid. We, you'd, get a, just, you'd get a cooler. Fucking you'd puritanical bullshit. around the yeah. cooler. you yeah. just let it float with you guys. The... Uh, so that's getting lost in real life, already fucking annoying enough. Getting lost in the game where you don't need to get lost, like yeah, in traveling. Like I understand if you're like if you're chasing a dude down, you run and you get lost, fine. Or if you're like in a never-ending labyrinth or something, totally understandable. But if I'm just if I'm going north, I'm going north. I'm going north. Just let me say I'm going north. If you're gonna throw a random encounter at me, make it something interesting. Yes. You know if you're if you're, if you if I'm level twenty and you throw a horde of goblins at me, I'm gonna be mad. Be that funny. Is boring as kind of funny. Like you know, do they they approach you like, what do you do? Like, do you kill them all, or do you like enslave these goblins, or do you scare them off? Like that kind of actually can be funny. I think instead of an appropriate challenge, a horde of flumps come flying at you. Is it flump or is it flump? I thought it was flump. Oh wait, you know. What? Oh wait, they probably learn. can tell us. You're yeah, right. We're gonna learn. Hey, spell it. Uh, F L U M. Ph. No, I think it's an F at the end. Oh, is it Ph? Flump. Flump. Uh, oh, fucking looks piece like of I'm going to have to do it because I spent the money. I'm not going to spend money on a book I have. God damn it, now it's not loading. Flump. Because it sounds like a onomatopoeia. It's not loading. Flump. All right, well, we're having a technical issue, so we don't, we don't get to know what a flump means. But my, especially with the vehicles, why am I investing in the vehicle? It costs money. If it's all it stupid. is is a fucking tedium. Stupid. You know, uh, a cart, a boat. If it's a flying vehicle, that's a totally different story. Ooh, ready? Let me, let me turn this. It's all the way Just up. play it. I'm going to turn it up so people can hear it. Turning our microphones. Flump. Oh, flump. Okay. Flump. 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 Thank you, Marisha Ray. You're welcome, Kevin. Wait, that's not. A flump. Well, the point is, I think travel is one of those things that's a it's a limited opportunity. It's very narrow. It, it's, you know, flumps do a lot more damage than I thought they did. Focus. It should be a... I mean, it's only an eighth challenge stop. rating. What are you doing? I'm just saying. Well, they're not, aren't they lawful good? Yeah. It should be... Travel should really be an RP opportunity, not so much a combat opportunity. The combat should be meaningful. What do you think? I think all combat should be meaningful. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. So, if there's, if there's an encounter while traveling, it should be meaningful. Travel is really more of an RP opportunity than anything. Can I, I would love it if somebody could at some point 
Give me an example of a time that having a vehicle and or a mount served a purpose more than just traveling faster or carrying more shit. Fine, Steve. Disappointment one through four. That does not they help. absorbed hits, man. That does not help your points. All right. We'll be right back. Okay. Okay, welcome back. Or so you think. I tell the story now of my wife headbutting an old woman in the game. Yeah, that was wonderful. <laughs> we did a one-shot recently because mm-hmm. my wife wanted to play because she got a mini for Christmas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's beginning. She's making her character. She's like, oh, she said she gets to alignment. I'm like, just leave it blank. It doesn't matter. And then you show up for the end of character creation. She's like, I want to be chaotic evil. And we're both like, what the fuck? What? No, no, you don't. What? what? Like, don't just, you know, just be, just be. Do you, do you understand what that means? She ended up being chaotic neutral. <laughs> then Until. They, then they were in a village and they had to fight a dragon. And the dragon destroyed some shit. And the villagers kind of blamed them because, you know, they showed up. And then the dragon showed up. And my wife was not having any of it. And she headbutted an old woman in the face. Mind you, she's a minotaur. Yeah. So Headbutts this does are a little, damage. A little more serious. So she killed an old woman. Just smash her face <laughs> in. <laughs> no one was dead. Yeah. And my wife was like, I didn't realize that humans were so fragile. <laughs> Very Minotaur thing to say. Very. And then the end of the end of the one shot, she... There was moral ambiguity. Wanted to kill the guy who hired you. Yeah. The, the person that hired us was a very uh, scientific individual, for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah, so she, he didn't have a lot of ethics. Yeah. Very, very, very practical. Very much does this He help, was a lizard folk. Does this advance what I'm believing? So he had an alien mind. Yeah. So she ended up being way more chaotic evil than I thought. Yeah, she went hard. <laughs> she went hard at that CE I level. I just laugh at headbutting the old woman in the face. It just gets me. Pretty much anyone that pissed her off, she would try to kill. It fucking gets me. Every time. It's so funny. It was very chaotic evil, actually. Oh, yeah. It was I more feel like, like minotaurs are lawful evil, so but they still. are. Well, they are evil in the book. I don't think the the, the race is. Yeah, I don't think I, no race in general is evil. Even tieflings aren't evil, per se. Should we just segue into that instead? Races, races, Mon- monstrous, monstrous races. Oh, you want to do that one? Yeah, we yeah, do sure. That. We're gonna we'll make a hard segue into monstrous races and exotic monstrous monstrous races and their place in a campaign that isn't a monstrous. Campaign. So if you had to list. Wait, the most common races in a D&D, in a normal D&D world, I what would it, come to mind? You know, uh, the, the humans. Obviously. The elves. Yes. Maybe even the half-elves. They, you know, I think they're supposed to be rarer than they are, but yeah. You got them, they're dwarves. Dwarves, yeah. Little dwarves. Uh, and I would even put halflings and gnomes in there. I would agree with halflings, gnomes rarer than that, and yeah. then half orcs being like the rarer amongst I would these. I would say even that would be pushing. Cuz their people would hate them cuz racism. Yeah. And then in theory a tiefling and an azamar should be really rare. Yeah. So when you see a a party coming up at you that's got an azamar and a tiefling and a half orc and uh whatever in it, that's a weird sight for most so, people. So um in a campaign that is coming up. So after I'm done DMing, somebody else is going to take mm-hmm. the reins. Uh, and the party that we have coming up, we have a uh, Dwarven Cleric. Classic. We've got an ASMR Paladin. Also classic. We've got a uh, Longtooth Shifter Barbarian. Don't know what that is. Uh, essentially, it's a were-touched creature. Oh, you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got a Water Ganassi Druid. That makes sense. Uh, we've got a uh, human swashbuckler. My favorite. 
and a uh, Minotaur Ranger. So this is a pretty exotic party. Yeah, right? Honestly. So this group walks into town. Is everyone looking at them like, oh, that's normal? Or what the fuck? There would arguably be people running away. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. You see a Minotaur walking down the street? You run away. It's a monster. Fuck me. Holy right. shit. Get the, get out of here. Like, if you saw a, a tabaxi or Aarakocra or whatever, those are monstrous things. Yes. You might. You, you might be like, eh. If you're like the village wisdom or something, like, oh, no, those are good things. But most people are like, that's a monster. Yeah. That is not what I've ever seen in my life before. That's a monster. So how, how as a DM do you handle that? When you're building this world, and this world... You know, it doesn't necessarily start out that different, but it's it's going to become that way if you keep letting these people be yes. heroes. Fortunately, in our most recent campaign with the goblins, you lived in a goblin society, so it wasn't a big deal. Yes. Uh, ended up in a really racist place that enslaved you. Made total so sense. So that made sense. And then ended up in a town that liked everybody didn't care. Yeah. So it wasn't, it, it was only an issue and it was obviously an issue. Yeah. You didn't really end up in any like, you did end up in like one normal town for a night. Mm-hmm. You were clearly not really welcome. Yeah. Um, but that's usually how that would play out, especially if you're big, scary hero types where you're a minotaur and areas more. Like people yeah. you, either going to run away or they're going to be terrified of you. A Goliath walks into the room. It's like, oh, oh, shit. I'm either going to run away or I'm going to step real lightly like, yes, Mr. Goliath. Of course, here's your here's your 14 ales. Yeah. Uh, fucking Kenku in a cloak walks in. I'm going to be like, ooh. Yeah, so as a DM, it's, it's, for me, it's usually, you know, trying to think of how would this particular location react. Many of them, you know, a capital city mm-hmm. or a magical place, don't care. Like, fine, cool. You you know what? If anything, you're interesting and I want to know more about you. But if you walk into ye old town, then it's going to be interesting. So then how do you play that effectively without... Because obviously your goal as a DM is not to ruin somebody's campaign, but how do you represent the world in a way that... It's still going to be a challenge for them because of the race they chose. Well, are there price differences maybe at a shop? Are there maybe laws that are a little stricter, strictly enforced for those races kind of thing? Yeah, casual, casual D and D races. Yeah, I I don't like leaning on the uh, the the racism thing because I feel like sure my D and D world's kind of liberal, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that people aren't going to be terrified of your thing. Yeah, because. In all rights, they may not be trying to kill you, but right. if if this world existed, like our, you should imagine, we're living the real world, yeah. And suddenly there's an orc. We don't be like, whoa, fuck that thing, oh, fuck that thing oh. forever, until we figured out, oh, you know what? It's just an orc. It's fine. Like there, there would be. We'd eventually try and maybe make friends with the orcs. I don't know, or kill them all. All right, what is a monstrous race that you wouldn't try to kill? You'd be like, if oh, it just showed cool. up in yeah. real life, locks it on, obviously. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like, oh. Because I want to touch an elephant. Because it, it essentially would just be a smaller elephant I, walking on I, It legs. frustrates me that I might go my entire life without touching an elephant. Just go to the zoo. They then. don't let you touch elephants at the zoo, Kevin. No, I mean, but you can go and, like, you, you can usually do, like, special, um, uh, like, sneak acts, sneak peek access and stuff and go, like, behind the scenes. They don't let you an touch elephant. it. You, let you, you can feed, feed it. You, yeah. can, you, can, you can, like, the trunk. But I want to, like, walk up. I watched a video once of these blind people getting touched an elephant because it was like the textural, tactile mm-hmm. experience. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to like rub. Go to like elephant. India or something. Yeah, just go to India. What am I, fucking king money bags over here? No, you have dual income. You're fine. Well, we have dual tiny incomes. You have, yeah, exactly. You, your dual tiny incomes are good enough to get you to India. And that's a whole separate 
human rights, not human rights, animal rights issue with the way they treat elephants in wow. India, okay? Okay, you can't have everything, okay? No, I can't. That's so, why, so that's why it's you want to touch a free, well-treated, happy... or in a rescue of some kind. Try going out to like a... I don't know. I'll, a I'll, a, I'll, a place where perhaps they have the animals that like are... Like a reserve of some a kind. A reserve of some kind, maybe in the wild of some kind. <laughs> and what were we talking about? Oh, Wild races. Wild races. So, so are the, the question is, uh, you know, the campaign sort of efficacy, if there's monstrous races, if anything, monstrous races are a way to make your campaign more local mm-hmm. where it becomes about them being different. Yeah. Where it's like you have to deal with the society or that informs your whole story. Like mm-hmm. you are a war forged among men. How did you get there? Why are you there, and what's the story? That's what I was going to say. I think it makes for a great backstory. Yeah. Like, what the hell is a Yanti doing in the middle of this city? I love a Yanti. I love a Yanti pure blood. Like, what the hell? I Honestly, I think they're, like, the best monsters. Where did race. a Githzerai come from? I hate those. What the hell? Yeah, where's where's that Minotaur? I mean, um, that centaur is riding a centaur. What is the deal with that? <laughs> you know? Obviously, one is the power bottom, and that goes a long way. Well, that centaur's riding that centaur, riding that centaur, riding that centaur. It's just, it's the ladder effect. It's like buffalo, 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 but minotaur, or centaur, 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 centaur. Why is there a dwarf on the centaur, 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 centaur? <gasps> Dwarfs riding centaurs. Dwarfs riding centaurs. The centaur's actually uh, two humans in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> the dwarf, every once in a while, carries the centaur. Yeah. So, uh, what what monstrous races are the least offensive Really, to a normal world. So I think, um, just scrolling through that. The ASMR are supposed to look pretty normal. Yeah, just a little off. Whereas tieflings are typically like their normal human palette, but they're also red and brown yeah. and pink. I think I don't think anyone's really that upset at seeing a tabaxi. Big it's old a cat. cat. The yeah. Yanti pureblood, upon close inspection, you can see stuff, but otherwise look like a human. Uh, Tritons probably aren't that. It's just a blue person. Yeah, but they're so rare. They're supposed to live in the deep, deep, deep seas. I don't think I would be scared of a turtle. This is where I'm curious and kind of why I bring it up. Because a turtle, it's an imposing, terrifying oh, yeah. turtle man. But have you ever seen a Glopko's turtle? Tortoise? Have you seen what? Have you seen those giant ones with the sharp faces that can yeah. bite off your yeah. hands? Leather, what, loggerback? Loggerback? It's not a leatherback. That's a soft one. Um, I don't know. But one of the giant ones with the sharp yeah. face and the spikes will eat you. Yeah. If that wasn't the shape the turtle took, fuck that thing. Depends if it like walked up and said, hey, or walked and tried to bite me. Well, hopefully it doesn't just try to bite you. Um, but yeah, a centaur, I feel like a centaur would actually be pretty scary to well, see. Well, they're supposed to be nice fey. Yeah, but I still feel like I'd be fairly intimidated by that. That was one of the one good like good Harry Potter moments where you, they had centaurs in the woods. They were. They pick up the professor and carry her off to yeah, do their thing. Yeah, and they're huge. They're fucking yeah. enormous. Yeah. Like, they are powerful, monstrous creatures. So they would be intimidating, maybe not scary. Um. The one I brought was the shifter. You know, some of them are a little weak, creepier than others. But yeah, you know, and I think that's that's a big factor. It's a creepiness. Yeah, lizard folk don't ever bring a lizard it's folk creepy. around me. It's creepy. It's creepy. Oh my god. Ugh. Now, yeah. see, now you're right here. You're right on the page of my favorite ones, where there's the yanti. But I love a kobold. Like, yeah, if I, if I saw that, like just a little lizard dog, I'd Co- be like, kobolds are so dumb. Like, what is the purpose of a kobold as a playable race? Just for the cowardice of it? I mean, you that that's heavy role play. But that's its ability. You, you got grovel. It. Yeah, fucking so, grovel. So you're literally like you're doing work as that character to role play because your combat prowess isn't that strong. So 
there's you've hit on the head again. A second segment here. Hobgoblin. Where, Would you mind seeing hobgoblins? I think hobgoblins are. Well, they're supposed to be like the scary goblins. Yeah, but I mean, they're just bigger. They actually kind of look normaler than a regular goblin. All of these are things that are the current understanding of them in a humanoid perspective is that these are evil things. Kobold is an evil thing. Yeah. A hobgoblin is an evil yep. thing. A goblin is an evil thing. Yep. Yanti is an evil yep. thing. Tieflings are descendant of evil things. Yep. So our first reaction would, a normal first reaction of a villager would be to like, hell no, evil eye, get the hell out of here. Especially I don't want if you've you never anywhere. Seen one before. Exactly. If you've never encountered a goblin and all you have is stories of goblins raiding towns, I'm going to, you'd be like, no, I'm going to run away or I'm going to get the town guard or I'm going to stab it, whatever. Yeah. So does that happen in these campaigns? Should it? Probably. That that's that's the part that I really want to talk about is should it and if so in what capacity, um, like what scale are we talking? Yeah, like every time you go into town, is the town guard going to get called on you and your group? You know what? Maybe you should. Yeah. I feel like what's like what's the game? Is it Skyrim where if you like are criminal, you walk in, they'll try to arrest you, and like every time, like you go on a white run. And they're going to try to arrest you? It, de- you... it depends how, how much your bounty is and what district you're in. Oh, no. there's a, You can like betray a family that always tries to beat you up or something in, in Whiterun, I feel like. I don't remember that. Something. But I feel like I would have just killed them. But so. that could be a very simple way to integrate the unusual races in a way that's consequential. Every time you walk into a town, if you are not fully concealing yourself, People panic. Yeah. You don't get to go to the stores because they close up. You don't get to go to the tavern mm-hmm. because the guards go there first. Mm-hmm. You don't get to do anything. And that would almost push your characters into, like, being evil. Being evil or being super good, like, going the exact opposite. To Trying to, to prove. prove yourself. Yes. This is the opportunity. Yes. This prove. Is, this is my chance. I'm not like every other goblin. I'm not yeah. like every other bugbear. I'm trying to do good in this and world. And you get known. You see this. You get renowned as the, you know, the bugbear with the with the eye patch, as the greatest living bugbear. He's, he's a good one. He's one of the good he's one ones. He's one of the good ones. Exactly. <laughs> Just, again, that casual D&D racism. And maybe prices go from being twice as much to half as much because yeah. you have this renown now. Yeah. And you start your whole thing as like, no, I'm going to show these people the bugbears can be good. So I think that early on, it should be difficult. I think if you're picking a monstrous race, it should be tougher. Yeah, and that's not something that we really fully explore, but I agree with you. Maybe we should make it tougher. Because I think all too often, everyone says, oh, this looks fun, without really thinking of what that's going to do to a DM's campaign. And that's probably part of the cost that isn't calculated in the balancing of a race. Yeah, and, and most DMs probably don't want to deal with like a PC that's upset because they're getting their party screwed over every time. Yeah, that's true. And so it just gets ignored, and I don't think it should. I think that it's a great chance to build something. Hmm. Interesting. Next campaign. Next Maybe campaign. we'll do that. Because right now you're all elves. Yeah. So you're, if anything, you're Tons rare and interesting. People are like, hey, we haven't seen elves before. Ooh, elf. Cool. Hey, look at elf. Fucking elves. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah, the dwarves you guys are talking to right now, I don't particularly care. Yeah. But that and, <laughs> well, that, that and the murder. Yeah, that and the, the mass uh, pyramid of... Just I was up. sharing that anecdote. One of our players Who put up a, a magic, magic bean. Uh, he made it in a in a pot of sand in a dwarven community, and it summoned a temple with a mummy lord, and it crushed people. Um, I was sharing that anecdote with a coworker. That same thing had happened to him in a, in a most recent <laughs> campaign. The guys like beans, <laughs> temple. He rolled the temple. What the fuck, dude? It's people it died. Happens. People died. People died. The movie Lord wasn't that bad, but people fucking died. Yeah. A 60-foot temple just appears at the second story of a town. Mummy Lord ain't done yet. Mm. Maybe. You don't know. I, I 
had a mummy lord encounter set up in my last Yeah, campaign. but you don't know what I'm doing. I don't, but I know generally what they do. So the elves are generally well-respected when you enter a town. Until? Until you kill people. <laughs> and then, well, what happens then? I mean, let's take this the other way. Let's talk about what happens to a normal race when it does something monstrous. They are yeah, ostracized. Yeah. Right? So essentially the same thing can happen to a normal race. Or the true inverse where you're a normal race and you walk into a monstrous community. Yes. yes. Do they accept you because they're loving and liberal and love everybody? Or are you the human who kills their kind and they kill you? Perfect example is uh, the newest uh, Critical Role episodes there in... You know, there's a couple humans in the group. They go into a monstrous town, and huh. the humans either have to hide that they're human by disguising themselves, ah. or they get fucking picked on. Ah, I like that. I like the inverse of it. Yeah. Because that... It's fun. It's, it's great dynamic. Like a, it's kind of like a nice lesson. Like, walk a mile in my shoes. Let's go to Monster Town, human, and people will be, like, bullying you. Like, yeah. oh, you're so fragile. Like, I'm poking you. Yeah, and an orc walks up and just starts smacking you around. Well, and you're in your Beauregard or um, Yasha. Wait, what's Yasha? Yasha's an ASMR. Oh. Oh, I'm hey, not that far. So. I'm not that far enough to know that yet. Yeah, you are. I'm only at the river, underground. Learned she's the ASMR in episode one. I didn't. Well, I guess I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I thought she was just a human being. She doesn't like do anything ASMR-ish. Okay. Well. Yeah. So. That's the other thing. Is it worth being your monstrous race? Always. You picked it for a reason. I'm sure. You know, if I'm a bugbear assassin, it's because they get proficiency in sneak. And the reach. And the reach. And the, and the bonus sneak attack and damage. And the sneak attack Yes, damage. obviously, if you are a bugbear rogue with a whip, you, you are can, unstoppable. You can sneak attack from 15 feet away. Beautiful. <laughs> with doing and extra bonus damage. So your sneak attack is, is insane. It's hilarious. Oh and God. it's hilarious. And it's, yeah, it's obviously hilarious where you're this big hulking thing hiding in the shadows and you just whip them from, from afar. And somebody just turns like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm literally cut in half now. I am dead. Well, honestly, I think for you and me, especially, we should try to explore. And that. I think I think everyone else should let us know if you are in a situation right now where you have. Are you playing a monstrous a character? A monstrous character, or you're running a campaign with monstrous characters in the party, and how you're handling it? Is it the status quo in your world, or is it a little different? Well, until we get feedback, we have learned and solved nothing. But we want to learn. We so dearly want to learn. I like learning. Make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. It's, I don't think it's on Spreaker anymore because they wanted more money. Money, 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 money. Spreaker sucks. Follow us on Twitter at RWD Podcast and feel free to send us topics you want to hear about or your D&D rants at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we will see you next time. Till then. Thank you.